Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the RochdaleAFC.com podcast. My name is Dean, aka At The Peak, and once again joined by Chaff. Chaff, how are you, mate? Yeah, not bad, not too bad, mate, thank you. And we've also got Ryan once again. How are you doing this week, mate? Yeah, not so bad, thank you. Good stuff. So, um, this week we thought we'd take stock a little bit, have a look at the current situation at the club and... Uh, take some answers from the listeners uh, across Facebook and, and the forum and what have you. So we'll get to those a little bit later on. But the main news uh, coming out of the club at the moment, of course, is the decision to furlough uh, staff um, in the absence of any football looking likely in the next few months. So, Chaff, um, I'll come to you first, mate. Do you think this is the right decision for the club, given you know these are very strange times and, um, well, there's going to be a lot of clubs at the moment um, worrying about the future, do you think it's right for Dale to take every every step possible to uh, to ensure the safety of the club? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I think the directors, uh, the people at the top of the club, have done well, seemingly done everything that they can to try and make sure that when football does resume, that we've got a football club, as that might not be the case for everybody in the football league. Um, I think the transparency that they've shown as well has been really good. I think they've kept the supporters up to date and everything and been really open and honest. And yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's the right decision. Yeah, Ryan, obviously um, we don't know for certain when football will be back. Um, but would you agree with Chaff there? Is this the correct decision? Obviously nobody wants um, this to be the way that it is, but it's sort of been taken out of the club's hands, hasn't it, in a way? Yeah, it's they have no choice because a football club without football, it's pointless, isn't it? So to have people working around the clock um, in the offices, um, there's no tickets to sell. Um, you know, you, you can understand it massively. And the future of the club is the most important thing. So yeah, and with Chaff on the director, have done a wonderful job over the last few, well, last season really, but the last. You know, a few weeks and months when this has been testing, I think credit to him. You know, they've done everything you could ask for. Do you think we'll be okay in terms of finances? Obviously, we don't know um, the ins and outs and the details of everything financially at the club, but a few people have asked us about the finances um, on the forum and what have you. Do you think, Ryan, like obviously it's been quite a good season, hasn't it, in terms of money for the club with the Matheson deal and um, the cup runs and the games against Man United and Newcastle? Do you think maybe we've got a slightly lucky in that we've got a bit of money in the bank to fall back on if needs be? And obviously, um, there were rumours that we nearly broke our uh, transfer record in January. Like, perhaps looking back, that might be a, a blessing in disguise that that deal didn't go through. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, yeah, it's not just this season, but the last few seasons we've had, you know, we've had a lot of good fortune. Um, maybe not fortune, but a lot of money's come into the club through transfers through sell-ons, cup runs, competition money, prize money, TV money. Um, so I think we'll be fine. I think I heard or read an interview the other day where um, Bottomley had said that the pitch renovation work is still being done. If we were struggling, that wouldn't be the case. Or you'd like to think it wouldn't be. So I don't think we've got anything to... Obviously, the longer it goes on, if we're talking 12 to 18 months, you know, you probably thought you're getting a bit worried about it, but if it's only you know this calendar year, I'd imagine we're going to be fine. To be honest. Yeah, chaff. Um, 
we've spoke a lot, haven't we, in the last few weeks about sort of the history of the club and, and different phases, if you like, where maybe we didn't have quite the same financial solidity that we do now. In a way, are we quite lucky? Because you've got to imagine that there are clubs out there that maybe aren't on quite as even a keel as us at the moment. I mean, I remember reading something recently where we have one of the lowest percentages of our turnover comes from gate receipts, um, which suggests to me that maybe we're in a, a slightly better position to deal with something like this than some of the other clubs in League One. Absolutely. Um, I think the board are very shrewd when it comes to money. Um, we might look like a rollover sometimes in the transfer market, but it's what keeps the club going. And uh, Deals like the Luke Matheson deal, um, cup games against United, Newcastle, have all brought in extra money. Um, and I think we probably do have a better chance than quite a lot of others because of the way that our football club is run in that we do not spend what we do not have. Um, and that probably, well, definitely isn't the case for some clubs. Um, so, and I'm with Ryan on the fact that if we were in any sort of big danger, the pitch renovations wouldn't be being done, I don't think. Uh, when that came out, I was, that was uh, that was encouraging. Yeah, um, when you look at some of the other clubs yeah, around the league, yeah. I know obviously uh, Bolton are, are a club that have struggled recently and, and you've got to imagine that the money that they've been missing out on from their gate receipts, which will be much higher than ours, um, you've got to imagine that we're in a slightly stronger position than clubs like that. Um for ourselves as fans, obviously, we're desperate to get football back. Um, obviously, we, d we don't know any better than anyone, but Chaff, if you could estimate, when do you think we'll be back at Spotland or when do you think the club will be playing again? Because there's a good chance that uh, we won't be able to attend the first few games back. No, that's a good point. I think the, the date for football being back and the date for us being back are going to be very different. Um, if I had to guess... Um, you're looking past the summer um, for when football will be back, in my own opinion. And you're probably looking beyond Christmas and into the new year for when we can go back to Rochdale. Um, that's what I took from the piece that, that, that David Bottomley put out on the Trust website as well. So they're obviously planning for that very scenario. Um, so, yeah, I don't think we'll be going back to Scotland anytime soon. But... We'll probably, we'll probably play games uh, before the winter, I would have thought, and I would hope. Yeah, Ryan, where do you stand on that? I know some uh, supporters would probably rather just wait until we were able to go back to the ground, but what are your experiences of watching Dale on iFollow and the likes? And um, Would you rather we were able to watch some football as soon as possible or just wait until um, supporters are allowed to go and attend games again? I personally would wait till supporters can be in the stadium again um, you know we all watch football on the TV um, all the time Premier League or whatever else and you know when you're away on holiday and you have to watch an eye follow it's, it's decent you know it, it's good to be able to follow them but I wouldn't want to do it for games over here I think um, at the end of the day football it's nothing without the supporters and I think I'm of the view that if football 
if this football season carried on behind closed doors, it's massively unfair to a lot of teams. Um, you think of promotion battles and the, the difference the supporters can make for teams up at the top, but also at the bottom. Um, and to not have those, you know, you're talking about the integrity of the competition. You're playing behind closed doors for isn't any. Um, you know, you, you look at the Sunderlands of this world, I'd imagine, I don't know what the form is, but the home form, it's very rare they lose at home, I would imagine, because of the support. Um, and, you know, if we carried on and we went down, I'm sure we'd be sick because we'd like to think we could make a difference, particularly away from home. So, yeah, I, I don't think it should continue behind closed doors, but I could understand if it did. Um, but, yeah, that, that's just my view on it. Yeah, Chaff, I mean, the the question really that's been on the lips of the players, at least, um, maybe not Dale players, but we've seen some quotes from Danny Rose um, of Newcastle come out today. Is it safe for the players to come back at the moment? That's the thing, isn't it? Well, at the moment, while the government are telling us all to social distance, it's not safe, is it? Because you can't social distance on a football pitch. Simple as that. Um, and... It's probably only when social distancing is eased that football can be played. Um, that just seems a sensible thing to me. Um, going back to my point before about wanting football back, there are financial implications um, and issues regarding that because obviously you wouldn't. I, I wouldn't want football back if it was going to end up costing the football club. Um, in the long run with obviously players being on bigger wages than what they are while they're being furloughed etc so we'd have to weigh that up as well um, I'd get where Ryan's coming from with that Yeah we can only really speculate can't we on in, on the financial impact that it'd have but I would suggest that perhaps if we were to start the new season uh, we might be able to get money through to the club through things like sponsorship and things like that even if it was behind closed doors so even if the gate money wasn't coming in um, perhaps it would be a way to bring money into the club just by playing games. And I'm sure there'll be some TV money as well from, from iFollow or, or whoever broadcasts the games if there's a different way of doing it. Because we've seen um, this weekend that German football's coming back and um, I think every game's being shown on BT. I was just wondering if you two were going to be watching to um, to get a bit of a football fix this weekend. And, and if so, is there a team that you'd be looking out for in particular, Chaff? Um, I don't have a German team. I have, I, I'm known for having more than one team, but I certainly don't have a German team. Um, but I will be watching, yeah. Um, anything that's live, uh, that's unpredictable, that you don't know the score of, um, yeah, I'll be watching that, I think, definitely. And what about you, Ryan? Have you got a team you're looking out for? Will you be watching the games on, on BT this weekend? Um, I don't really, other than, obviously, I love watching Dortmund play. Um, I think what Leipzig have done in the last couple of years is love watching them as well, quite an exciting team but for some reason I've got a soft spot for Schalke and I don't really know why but uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be watching it for sure and it would just be nice to watch some, some football again, some live football Yeah, I, I'm sure you two can see here on the chat that I've got my uh, FC St. Pauli scarf up on the wall so that's the team that I'll be looking out for when they... Uh, when their games get back underway. But I also mentioned on Twitter the other day that if any Dale fans are looking for a German team to support, uh, that Armenia Bielfeld are um, 
from Bielfeld, obviously, which is twinned with Rochdale, and they also play in blue and black stripes as well, so you couldn't get much closer to Dale than that. Um, I think that's pretty much all we can say on the current situation regarding the club and when football might come back, because obviously everything's still up in the air and we don't know when that might be. But we have asked um, some people on, on the forum and Facebook and Twitter for some questions this week, and uh, one that was mentioned by quite a few people, including uh, Dale Dicko on Twitter, was about our release list. Now, we're at that time of the of the year where uh, clubs start to release their release list, if you like. Um, we've seen a few teams already have released pretty much every player under contract as a, as a cost-cutting exercise. Um, hopefully, judging by what we've said in the, in the first few minutes of this podcast, we might not be in that position. And we might be able to uh, offer some deals to the players we have left. So I'm going to ask um, about all of the players that are going out of contract to you two and see what you would do. Um, I think we have eight, which Chaff kindly listed on the forum the other day, which was very handy. Um, so we'll start with Josh Lillis. Obviously, Chaff, it's been, um, it's been a, a pretty quiet season for Lillis. There's not going to be any way that he's offered a new deal, is there? Uh, Brian Barry Murphy said pretty much from the get-go in his managerial career, certainly this season, that he that Willis wasn't going to be part of his plans. Hasn't been part of his plans. I think he's been on the bench twice um, all season. Brad Ward has kept him off the bench. He's, he's evidently just not wanted, so he's obviously going to be the first person out of the door, I would have thought. Yeah, Ryan, personally, I, I'm a big fan of Lillis. Um, I think he's slightly underrated, really, in what he's done for us. But obviously, the situation at the club this season suggests that, he, like Chaff says there, he isn't wanted. And there's not really any way back for him, you, you don't think, do you? No, I think it's about, yeah, it's the right time. It's probably been, Ryan's been on the wall now for a couple of years, I think, hasn't it? Um, but yeah, I, I don't see it happening. And... To be honest, I probably wouldn't give him a deal either, uh, regardless of whether BBM likes him or not. I think there's better out there. But what he has been a great servant for us. Um, seems like a really nice guy as well. Yeah, we'll have to um, have a look at some goalkeeping options, obviously, because Jay Lynch is will be our only um, goalkeeper left in the squad with any experience, presuming that Robert Sanchez won't be coming back on loan. Um, so the next one on the list... Ryan, I'll come back to you. Uh, Ryan McLaughlin, obviously the injuries have held him back a little bit. Would you be tempted to try and keep him on for another year, maybe? 100%. Um, I'd, be, I'd be keeping him, I think. Um, he's said quite a few... He's been active on social media and in interviews for papers and things over the last couple of weeks. and It seems like just before this, he'd sort of got over his injury worries. Um, I think he'd had an operation or got it sorted out. So if he can stay fit, He's one hell of a player for us and our level, so yeah, definitely. Yeah, Chaff, would you agree with that? I mean, this actually might play into uh, his hands, this break, with a little bit of time to sort of recuperate. And obviously with Matheson um, no longer available as he moves on to Wolves, he'll probably be the only um, the only natural right-back in the squad. Um, no, I don't agree with Ryan. Um, I think he's a wonderful player. And I think if he could stay fit, it wouldn't be an issue whatsoever. You'd offer him a deal straight away. I think he's a very, very good player. We just don't see enough of him. Um, the injury that he's got is one that's going to probably affect him for quite some time. 
Um, and we just can't afford to pay somebody a decent wage who's going to play five or six times a season. So as much as if he was fit, you'd, you'd give him a deal. He's just not going to be, unfortunately. So I think he's going to be out the door. Yeah, I think this is the toughest one on the yeah. list for me. Um because I agree with both of you in that he's a great player, but the injuries have held him back. I think he, we'd have to check on his fitness and see um, what the sort of diagnosis is going forward. If it is going to be a recurring injury, then perhaps we will have to look elsewhere. Um, next on the list, I'll come back to you, Chaff. Uh, MJ Williams, now, he's a player that's sort of split opinion over his time with Dale. Would you be looking to keep him on? I would not. Um, I don't rate him... Very highly. I know I saw a stat on Twitter last week, I think it was, that said that suggested that his pass completion rate was very, very high, sort of mid-90s. Um, but when you're only passing the players five yards away from you, that's always going to be the case for me. I, just, I see him as a defensive midfielder, but he just doesn't have... He's not the mobile list of players, if that's a word. Um and I don't think he's he's hard enough to be the tough tackling midfielder to break up the play. Um, I just don't see enough there to, to warrant him being paid a decent wage, if I'm honest. I think that's probably a view shared by most. Um, is it shared by you, Ryan? Now, this, this was the toughest for me, because I don't think he's... I mean, he's not had the best season. I think he's, like Chaff said, he can be soft at points. But I do think he gives you a couple of a couple of options. And I think there's a player there that could be moulded and and improved. I think when he had his loan spell with us, you know, we, we probably all wanted to sign him because he was superb. So there's a player in there. Um, and I think he gives you the option of moving to a back three, um, playing as a centre-back, although he wouldn't be second or third choice far from it but I think I'd offer him one Interesting um, I'll move on to the next one because I think I know what your answer is for this one in advance but Calvin Andrew? No <laughs> I think we'll leave that one there Jaff, Calvin Andrew? No Yeah okay we'll move on from Calvin then um, one that I think uh, we'll all be in agreement on though is Callum Camps um, Chaff I mean, he's been one of our better players for me this season. Uh, is it just the case of whether we'll be able to keep hold of him? Because I can't see any scenario where we don't at least try. Um, it's A lot's going to depend on the finances of the football club. Um, he's probably going to be on a big wage, and it may be a wage that may help us if it's saved. But... Uh, on footballing ability, you would absolutely offer him a contract. I certainly would. I think he's had a, a very good season um, playing back as a number 10. Um, it's no secret that he's got a host of clubs that we're, look at, that we're looking at him. Um, so, yeah, I would offer him a deal for myself. Uh, the finances are going to dictate whether that happens or not. And the finances may also dictate whether, he's, whether he accepts one. Um, or whether he decides to try his luck somewhere else. Yeah, right. I know you're a big Camps fan. You included him in your all-time Dale 11 that we did recently. Um, is it literally just going to be a case of whether the finances are right? Because, again, I don't see um, 
any scenario where, where Camps leaves the club because he isn't considered good enough. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't. I think it's a strange one because I don't think it's any secret that Camps wants to stay around it. Local, I think he lives up in Oldham way. I think he lives in Staley Bridge or something. So, yeah, I can't imagine there's many clubs around here at a higher level that are offering him one. So I don't know why it's not been sorted yet. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be be offering him one. Um, yeah, I think he's keep him for a few years and it could be very important to us. Yeah, uh, can't disagree with, with that. Um, the next one's perhaps a little bit more contentious. Um, I'll come back to you again, Ryan. Aaron Wilbraham, would you offer him another deal at his age? Oh, I would on reduced terms. I think he's... Um, his experience in the dressing room will be important. I know people have said that about Calvin for years now, but at 40 or 41, however old he is, he's better than Calvin still. So, um, again, gives him an option. And the way he played against Newcastle suggests to me there's, there's plenty of time left in him, I think. So, yeah, I would either on reduced terms or if he wants to go into coaching, maybe offer that as a, as a pathway for him. Yeah, Chaff, is, is Wilbraham um, a player that we can keep on and save money on, in a way? Um, I'm not sure, because when he signed the contract last season, it was on heavily reduced terms. Um, so he may not be wanting to do that much more than what he has done already. Um, but he's, I think he's offered quite a bit this season, if I'm honest. Um, I think he's done well. I think he's done well better than he did last season. Um, I think on form you wouldn't be surprised to see him released but you wouldn't be surprised to see him offered a deal Um, if the coaching side of things is something that he wants to get into as well then that might uh, sway the decision towards a yes Um, yeah I wouldn't be disappointed to see him stay I wouldn't be surprised to see him leave where I stand on Wilbraham really is um I think there's only room for one sort of target man player in, in the squad, given the way that we play. And obviously, we've said there that we'd like to see Calvin out of the door with all due respect to him. Um, I just wonder if for the wages that we're going to save on Andrew, and then if on Wilbram, if we were able to get, if we were if we were to release him, whether we'd be able to bring in a really good player, um, one strong player rather than two um, that don't really offer that much for me. I know Wilbraham has his moments. Um, you mentioned the Newcastle game there, but for me, there's too many games where he doesn't affect it. And um, I think in some ways, because he has these moments and they really stand out, like the goal against Newcastle, and he scored a, a really important brace as well, didn't he? I can't quite remember who against earlier in the season. And then last season, there was that stunning goal from 30 yards that he scored. I just wonder whether people think that he may be uh, contributes slightly more than he actually does because for me there's so many games that just completely pass him by. Um, I'd be looking to move Wilbraham on at this stage and uh, I think we can find an upgrade there quite easily. Uh, one place where I don't think we'd be able to find an upgrade though. Um, Ryan, how worrying is it that Ian Anderson's out of contract in the next few weeks? Very worrying. Um Obviously, I'd like, to, I'd love to see him stay, and he should certainly be offered a, a new deal. But part of me says, if there's a time when he does leave the football club, 
is it now when there's going to be a massive break between us playing again, when we've got plenty of time to find somebody? We, there's no secret we need to find somebody to replace Ian Henderson. And that cannot be when we're still playing football matches and he's no longer here. Um, so is now the per- perfect time to do it? Don't know, but let me be clear, I'd, I'd offer him a contract, absolutely. But there is that little side of me that thinks, is it, is it worth using the time to find somebody with, with more years in me? I can just about see the logic behind that, but Chaffee, it would be heartbreaking if Endo left just a few goals short of the record, wouldn't it? Especially if we weren't to get anything for him. Like Clearly one of the, the greatest players the club's ever had. He's the greatest player the club's ever had for me. And I'd offer him however many years he wanted on a new deal. Whatever he wanted, money-wise. Um, yeah, I would definitely offer him a contract. Um, because, was he mid-30s? The way the guy keeps in shape, the, the fitness on the guy, the guy can play football. He's an intelligent footballer who can adapt his game to different positions um, and could be a huge asset in different positions as he gets older as well. So I would offer him a deal without question um, and I would love to see him eventually break the record. I think it's going to be one of the saddest things in the world if we don't see that and we've not and we've seen the last of him. More heartbreaking than when Gary Jones left. I agree with that. Agree. I was just making the, the separate point. Uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd offer him one. Definitely. Yeah, I think I think it's so clear that in the last few years we would have pretty much definitely have been relegated without Henderson. And um, although he is sort of approaching the twilight of his career, like Chaff says there, he keeps himself in, uh, in such good shape. Um I think he'll still be an asset to the club for years to come if he stays. But it's no surprise if other clubs are looking at him. Um, clubs that perhaps can offer him a little bit more money and you can't really blame any player reaching that stage of his career for looking for um, something more financially, which is completely fair enough. But um, obviously every part of me hopes that he stays. And, and although he is a Rochdale legend regardless, um, just gets that confirmation of being our greatest ever goal scorer. Um, the last player on the list is one that we haven't really seen much of. Um, I think there are a few younger players um, that perhaps our contract that we don't really know enough to form an opinion of and, and perhaps it's best left to the coaching staff. But Matty Gillum's had quite a few chances. And uh, Ryan, is it fair to say that he's flattered to deceive so far? Yeah, I was um, I really excited when he was coming through because he seemed to score every week for the, for the youth team and then he's just not not delivered, doesn't look good enough, doesn't look fit enough. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd call it a day with him, and, and I hope he, I hope he gets, you know, back in the game. But maybe some time playing amateur or non-league football might be best for him. Yeah, chaff. We haven't really seen um, much of the player that was mooted, uh, have we? Because we, like Ryan said, there he's got a lot of goals in the reserves in the youth team, but he just doesn't quite look good enough um, for the first team at the moment. No, I'd agree with that. Um, I think one of the issues with Gillum is that um, he probably doesn't know what his best position is, or if he doesn't know, the coaching staff don't know. 
There's another one where Hill tried to turn him into a fullback. Um, he's played left back. He's played left wing. He's played up front. He's played at right back. Um, and a little bit like Joe Bunny. I don't really know what his best position is. He's had moments where he's looked good. Um, by that goal against Scunthorpe last season, for example. Um, we, we've just not seen it enough for me. He's not been given a chance. There must be a reason that he's not been given a chance. Um, he's gone out on loan to Ireland and not pulled up any trees there either. So it's probably fair to say time's time. Yeah, I can't really disagree with that. So um, that's the way we're looking for our own release list. It'll be interesting to see um, what direction the club go in. And of course, we will be discussing that when the news comes through. Um, so some of the questions that we received over Facebook and stuff. Um, one came from Nick, and I'm going to ask you first, Chaff. Favourite ever home and away strips for Dale? I don't think this is one that we've discussed on our previous podcast, so I might have put you a bit on the spot, but off the top of your head, which are your favourites? Um, one of my favourite home kits will always be, and it's probably just for nostalgia reasons, um, be the 92-93 home kit with the white sleeves, um, purely because it was my first Dale kit. Um, I love that but I love that shirt. It's absolutely gorgeous, I thought. But closely following that is the black and blue night kit. I'm going to say for the away kit, um, it's probably going to be a really unpopular opinion, this, but I love the two red kits that we've had in the last sort of 20 to 25 years. Um, the red kit uh, that we had recently, a few years ago, that's uh, that's well up there, and the green and black stripes around the same sort of period. I thought it was a gorgeous kit as well. Yeah, that 0809 um, Nike black and blue shirt is definitely my favourite. Uh, I also had the 92-93 shirt that you mentioned there. It was the shirt that Dale wore um, when I was born, and I got it as a birthday present a few years ago and was very, very happy with it. But unfortunately... The Smith Metals um, lettering has now peeled off, so it doesn't get worn anymore. Um, Ryan, what are you going for for your favourite home and away strips? A couple stick out for the home kits. Um, the black and blue Nike one. Um, I really liked the black and blue feeler kit with a white collar as well. Um, with a Coleman and then Keyfield's first season back. Um and the 0203 home kit, the blue one with a white strip down the side with a green piping. Um, I loved that kit. Um, for away, I liked the well, the black one with a luminous green striping with Paul Connor and Leo Burrows. That's probably my favourite, to be honest. Yeah, that's a good shout. I actually saw a picture of Chaff wearing that a couple of days ago. <laughs> uh, I think for my favourite, I agree Actually, Chaff, although I don't particularly like seeing us in red, I think the recent um, red away kit was actually really nice. Uh, but my favourite was the late 90s green one with the black sleeves, uh, sponsored by Carcraft. I think that's quite a unique design, and I'd absolutely love um, one of those shirts. So if anyone has one knocking about, just let me know. Um, next question, Dean on Facebook asked, is it better to be a successful League 2 team where we see our team win every other week, or a League One team fighting for survival, albeit against bigger and better opposition. Um, 
chaff we've experienced and spoke quite a lot recently about both of those things. Which do you think is a better place to be in um, as Rochdale fans? It's a great question, isn't it? Um, obviously, you love watching your team win um, and the journey through League Two uh, when we were a, a very good side under Keto and to start with Steve Parkin, they were really good times. I really enjoyed them. And then getting into League One, um, you get to go to so many bigger grounds than what you would ordinarily go to. Um, you just become a bigger club. Um, I don't know. I like, yeah, I like winning. We don't win that often, no. Ryan, which one would you rather um, go for? Because obviously our favourite seasons are surely those promotion ones, but at the same time, uh, as Chaff says, you're a bigger club and you get to play against some teams that we would never get the chance to play to, against in League Two. So which one would you go for? Um, oh, logically, um, thinking about a football club, you'd have to say League One. But for the pure enjoyment of it, you know, it's, it's League Two. And, you know, I'll, you say that about the, the new grounds going to Stadium of Light and things is obviously amazing, but I did actually love going to places like Crawley and Yeovil and stupid places like that where it's just it's enjoyable. You go down, have a few drinks, get there, it's a dump, but you see your team win. So for enjoyment, you'd have to say winning in League Two, I think. Apologies to any Crawley or Yeovil fans who are listening. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, I think I prefer us being in League One um, because there is always that there's always that dream that we could get into the Championship, and I know that feels like a pipe dream at the minute and probably over the last few years. But there's been seasons that we've had in League One where I genuinely felt we were good enough to get in the playoffs, and once you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. And I think a season or two in the Championship. We've seen clubs similar size to us do it in, in the likes of Scunthorpe and Burton. Um, I think having that as a as a long-term sort of goal, even if it's only for a season or two, I think that makes being in uh, League One uh, worth perhaps not winning as often as we have done in those promotion seasons in uh, League Two. Um, Apple asks, who is uh, the most underrated player in your opinion? Um, he did ask for five, but we're running out of time a little bit. Sorry, Apple. Um, Chaff, do you have anyone who comes to mind for your most underrated players? Um, it's probably a really unpopular player. I think Bobby Grant was very underrated. Um, probably because of his attitude towards football. Um, the fact that it coincided with John Coleman's unprofessional era. Uh, and he was a really big part of that. But in terms of actual ability, I don't think he gets anywhere near the credit that he deserves. I think he probably kept us up that season under uh, under Coleman. And yeah, I'd say Bobby Grant, possibly somebody like Paul Simpson, maybe, who obviously gets a bad rep because of his managerial ability. I think they're both fair enough. Um Ryan, is there anyone who stands out for you for the most underrated players? Um, Peter Kavanagh would be one. And 
again, I don't think this will be very popular. And at the time, I didn't see it. But looking back, and when you look at some of the games and think about some of the games, I would say George Donnelly. Um, he wasn't the most obviously wasn't the most gifted technically whatsoever, but I think he was actually an important part of that season. I actually understand what you mean because although technically not one of the best players to ever play for us, um, I don't think anyone could really insult his work rate, could they, or his effort? Absolutely not. And uh, he gave us a favourite moment as Rochester fans as well. So. Yeah, he, he, like I said, he wasn't anywhere near, anywhere close to being the best player we've ever had, but I do think he had an importance to that team. All right, I can see the logic. Um, one player for me, I think I've mentioned him before, actually, uh, in, not necessarily in this category, but I did say that I thought Joe Widowson was such a, a really good player. Um, I was, like I said at the time, I think we mentioned him in our all-time 11s, and although he didn't get in any of the teams... Um, I, I was surprised that he never went on to a higher level because I thought he had all the ability to do so and I was surprised when we released him as well and, and, and quite uh, quite upset by it really because I, I just thought it was a poor decision by the by the management at the time. Um, I would also put um, Brian Barry Murphy in there. Um, when he came in to the team that season, um, he sat in deep in the midfield the first season in League One and it allowed Gary Jones to push on forward. It allowed Jason Kennedy to, to have a good effect and score a few more goals than he did the season before. And Jonah ended that season with 19 goals as well in all competitions. And I don't think that would have been possible without BBM's experience behind them uh, with his, his positional play. And he was also decent with set pieces as well. Um, so I, I think, although he's not, he was never the most exciting player to watch, I thought he was a really good player to watch and um, an, an important part of that team. And obviously... Uh, Keyfield um, thought very highly of him as well uh, to bring him in and make him do that job. Um, so next one we had um, Alex and Paul were both asking about the youth system. Um, I think that's something that we can talk about in depth maybe in a future episode. But for now, I think I'll just ask, uh, in your opinion, lads, what's the who's the best player to come through uh, the youth system at Dale? So Chaff, I'll, I'll go to you first. Um, who springs to mind when we talk about uh, academy graduates? Uh, Patrick McCourt is the first name and probably Will Buckley as well. Um, they're the two that stand out as being exciting players, very, very talented players. Um, obviously, other players have gone on to do more than what McCourt has, but yeah, those two are the immediate ones that spring out for me. Ryan, anyone you'd add to that? Obviously, we spoke already about Camps tonight. Would you would you mention him as one of the better players to come through our youth system? Yeah, Camps would be, would be up there. Um, played a lot of games for us. Um, you'd have Buckley as someone, albeit he didn't come right through, but he's part of the youth team. Jamie Allen as well. Yeah, I think there's a few uh, sort of interesting cases there. Um we mentioned Buckley, like you said, came from Hopwood Hall, uh, having not really come through like the from a very young age. He was sort of brought in and then spent a few months in the um, in the youth academy. Um, I'm, I'm assuming it's the same with McCourt, having come over from Ireland as well. Um, and then obviously Scott Hogan came through our youth system and was released and then ended up coming back. So there's a few sort of um, that aren't quite the, the, the traditional academy graduates, if you like, but show just how good 
uh, we've been over the years, I think, uh, producing our own talent. Um, Alan and Camps, as you mentioned there, uh, Ryan, both very, very strong League One players and perhaps will go on to play at a high level. Alan obviously has briefly as well. So, um, yeah, we will go into that, I think, in more detail in a, in a future episode, but um, some incredible players that have come through our youth system that we should be rightly proud of. Uh, one topic on the forum recently um, that Luke and Neil have also mentioned on Twitter and Facebook, uh, players that we wish we had signed. Um, Chaff, I, I saw your uh, post on the forum, so I'm going to come to you first. And uh, Do you want to talk through some of your choices for, for that topic? Uh, the main one for me is Leo Fortune West. Um, when I was growing up, um, playing football manager is one of the only strikers in our level to have 20 for finishing. Um, and then he just seemed to score wherever he went. Um, but yeah, Leo Fortune West, I'd have always loved, I'd, I'd loved him to have signed for us at some point. Um, another one probably be about... Like I said in that post, Keith, I asked this question to Keith Hill um, when he was drunk at one of the Indian nights at the football club. And he instantly said, Mark Richards, um, who obviously signed for us on loan under parking, but he, he rated him very highly and I'd, I'd probably agree with him on that. Yeah, there's plenty of players that were mentioned that were, were always a, a goal-scoring threat. Um, Ryan, is there anyone who, who springs to mind for you as a player you would love to have seen in a Dale shirt? Um, the one I saw mentioned a lot I agree with Kevin Ellison um, for well one of the reasons for him not to play against us because he always seemed to play well and I remember that volley at, um, up at Morecambe and it was, it was ridiculous um, and another one a more recent one was Ollie Banks um, who was at Chesterfield I and mean, I think he was playing League 2 for a little bit as well and I was, I was baffled by that but he was an amazing player, and always seem to always score against us as well. So yeah, he's, he's definitely one. Yeah, that's a great shout, Ollie Banks, a player I'd, I'd forgotten about to be honest. Um, we'll talk through a few of the other um, players mentioned in a second, but uh, yeah, Kevin Ellison was my shout on the forum as well. Um, I remember my dad saying that we should have signed him um, when he was about thirty-two, thirty-three, and I said that. The, the way the club was being run at the time, we were looking for younger players and, and Ellison wouldn't have been a great signing and obviously 10 years on, he's still still going um, and still always a threat whenever we've come up against him. And Although he is a bit of a pantomime villain, um, I think he's. I don't think there's any malice there and I actually think that most supporters in, uh, in the lower leagues actually really do respect him um, as a player and as a guy. And I know, the, I know a lot of the players do too and that's why he was involved in Joe Thompson's uh, testimonial last year. Um, one player who was mentioned by a few, 442 Dale, Jack O'Dale and Dale1968 all mentioned, Brett Pittman. is uh, another player who scored a few goals against us, isn't he, Chaff? Yeah, he never seems to stop, stop scoring against us, does he? Um, yeah, he's a top player in here at our level. Um, seems to be the complete striker at our level as well. But he's, he's one that can play with his back to goal. He's a great finisher, he's great in the air. Yeah, it'd be a, it'd have been a top signing at some point. Yeah, Ryan. Some of the other strikers um, perhaps went on to play at a high level, but were always a threat against us. The alien mentioned uh, John Stead. Um, Saxon Dale mentioned Clayton Donaldson. One Dale fan um, actually mentioned Adebayo Akinfenwa, who perhaps at some times has been 
um, ridiculed a little bit for for his physical um, presence. But I mean, he's got a great record in the lower leagues, and we haven't really had a player like that for quite some time, have we? No, he's got a great record. Um, he's just he's one of those players. He's not easy on the eye, is he? And he shouldn't be good at football, but he just is, and he's always quite good against us as well. So. Yeah, I can see that one. Uh, some others that were mentioned, uh, Jay Spearing uh, from Kel, Essex Dale mentioned Nicky Forster, Danny Whitaker from Borough, that's a, that was, he was a fine player uh, for Macclesfield back in the day. Um, uh, Cole mentioned Dean Keats, who was also a terrific player um, at his peak, and a player that I think you mentioned as well before, Chaff, uh, Thax Rabbits mentioned, well, he mentioned Dean Smith, which is very kind of him, and uh, Andy Butler as well. Um, now, I remember there was one summer when we were linked with him, and I think we, we ended up, did we end up going down that season or maybe just missing out on promotion? And there was a feeling, wasn't there, that if we'd have been able to sign him, what a, what a player he would have been for us because we really lacked that experienced centre-half at the time. Yeah, definitely. I can't quite remember when it was that we were linked with him, um, but I'm certain that it, the deal was quite far down the line. In sort of, I'm, I'm sure he was at the football club to, to negotiate a deal at some point, um, and I'd always rated him before then. Uh, really solid defender, really good in the air, and I, I think he'd have been a brilliant signing for us. I think he'd have added leadership, um, and yeah, I think he'd have shored up our defence quite considerably. Yeah, I only learned um, that about him being so close to joining the club a few years later and looking back, it really is um, one of those that got away because I really think he would have made a massive difference to that side. Um, one of the other things that this sort of thread morphed into was talking about individual performances against Dale. Um, I was just wondering if there's any that stood out for you. Obviously, there was a few that mentioned on the forum, uh, one being Gaboli Ayaribi of uh, Chesterfield. Uh, Ryan, that was... An incredible performance, wasn't it? Completely tore us apart, didn't he? Um, I think we had, I think we might have had maybe four left backs during the game to try and sort it. I think Michael Rose was a first, and he was just, he was too slow to, to deal with him. And then I think we tried Tanza, and he was similar. And then there were a couple of others, but what a performance that was! Um, yeah, another one that springs to mind, not necessarily a performance, but a piece of play was. Do you remember Steffi Mavadidi for Charlton when he just he got the ball <laughs> about 20 yards from his own goal and just the quickest run I've ever seen at Oh, yeah, I do remember that. And I was like, bloody hell. And then I've, I've searched on football manager and stuff since and he's, he, I don't think he's pulled up any trees, but <laughs> what a piece of skill that was. Yeah, he ran, I think he ran like 80 yards of the pitch with about four touches, didn't he? It was just insane. <laughs> like four uh, seconds as well. <laughs> Uh, Chaff, a few others that were mentioned. Uh, David A.B. mentioned Junior Bent. That was slightly before my time, I think. Um, Dean Windass, since 58, mentioned. Uh, any others that, that stand out for you as, as performances that you couldn't really help but admire, even if they were uh, to our detriment? Yeah, one that immediately springs to mind was um, Jamie Forrester, away at Lincoln. Um, I think we got beat 7 1, 7 0. And he got a hat-trick that day, and he was absolutely outstanding. He's another one who tore us to bits. Everything he hit seemed to go in. Um, yeah, that was a brilliant performance. And another one, um, well, there's two, actually. Uh, Luke Rogers, uh, Shrewsbury. Um, 
another heavy defeat uh, where we conceded seven. I remember him. We just didn't get close to him all afternoon. And Grant Holt for Shrewsbury uh, <laughs> against us. Uh, just looked the business, didn't he? Yeah, interesting really that we've mentioned these players and two of them actually got sent off in the games that we mentioned. I think Rogers was sent off, wasn't he, for the second yellow for over-celebrating and Ayaribi was sent off in the last stages of that game as well. Um, a few that, that, that stand out for me, um, Shergill McDonald's who played for Hereford against us in the centenary season. Um, I think he was only on loan at Hereford, but that night I, I don't think there's any defender um, in the low leagues that would have been able to get anywhere near him. He was absolutely incredible. And uh, Yannick Weldshut for uh, Wigan a few years ago. I, I don't think I've ever seen a player look so, so far above um, the level that he was playing at. Um, I'm, I think he's, is he at Middlesbrough now? He's sort of flip, floated between a few championship clubs. And to be honest, I'm surprised he's not gone higher than that based on that performance. Um, so that rounds off most of the questions that we've had. Um, we've got one more. PSM asks, what is the best takeaway in Rochdale? Chaff, what are you going for? Oh, that's a good show. Um, David's chippy in Milner is the best chippy in Milner, but I also like Sarjan's takeaway on Oldham Road. Ryan, what's your uh, what's your takeaway of choice? Oh, I do love it. You can get pavilion takeaway, and that's ridiculous. The proportion sizes are quite nice as well. Um, so I'd say pavilion. Or your standard dominoes and things, but yeah, pavilion for me. Decent show. I know why PSM's asked that. Introduced into a couple of uh, a couple of Haywood takeaways, including Tandoori Plaza, which for me is the best um, Indian takeaway that there is. Uh, so that'll definitely be my choice. Um, so a few things to mention before we finish up. Um, I'm not quite nailed down a, a date yet, but at some point soon, are we doing a watchdaleafc.com uh, live Facebook quiz about Dale. Uh, it'd be great if you could tune into that and see how well you do. There's some tough, tough questions on it. Um, I'll put it on Facebook and, and Twitter in the forum um, when I'll be doing that. And don't forget to follow us on all of those things. All that's left for me to say then is, Chaff, thanks once again for joining, mate. Yeah, thank you very much. Been a nice trip down memory lane again. And Ryan, thanks once again, mate. Oh, nice one. Thanks for having me again. Speak to you soon. Cheers, and see you next time.